Well, as we prepare to enter into a wonderful Christmas season and celebrating once again the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord, we know from the song there that a baby does change everything, and that baby in particular is Jesus Christ. I'll also say to you that a son-in-law who was supposed to preach for you, who would get some migraine over Thanksgiving holidays like last night did, uh, that changes everything as well. Because uh, I had not planned on being here. I was supposed to be on vacation this week and be off this Sunday. And Doc, uh, my son-in-law Doc, minister of young adults at uh, Riverland Hills Baptist Church, was supposed to preach. He was looking forward to preaching for you. Uh, and so was I. And so about 1 o'clock or so this morning, we decided he's not going to make it after having this migraine thing. And so I had to come up with something for that. So you got me for today. But it's an exciting time. And I hope that this Christmas is going to be a great one for us. Uh, we have a lot planned, a lot that we're going to focus on to help us celebrate Christmas and it's a wonderful time once again to ponder the story of Christmas and celebrate that gift of God's redeeming love in Jesus Christ. And we do so against a backdrop of our nation uh, that has a, a lot of darkness and a lot of concern and a lot of a rift that we have to acknowledge that takes place in our country today. And I think we need that sense of hope that the coming of Jesus Christ, the Christ child, brings to us. I'm encouraged by some of the figures that I've already looked at about how many Americans actually celebrate Christmas. They believe in Jesus Christ who was born, uh, and they believe the traditional events of Christmas, uh, that Jesus was born to a virgin, 81%. He was laid in a manger. Um, that the wise men, guided by a star, brought Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, 75%. And that an angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds to announce the birth of Jesus, over 75%. And nearly two-thirds of all adults believe that all of these things actually happen as we celebrate them. So I hope that we join together in all of that in this wonderful Christmas season as we celebrate once again the birth of Jesus Christ. And as we've uh, talked about hope today and lighting the Advent candle, that's what we focus on today when we look at the passage of Scripture out of Isaiah. It's a passage of Scripture that gives us a sense of hope. And it's a passage of Scripture that was fulfilled in one sense in, in the time that it was given. It was fulfilled in the time that Jesus was born. And yet there are aspects about that coming of Christ when all of these will be fulfilled. And that gives us hope as we anticipate the future and look towards that. So I want you to look with me at your Bibles. You won't find it in the Scripture on your screen, but you need your Bible. You find one in the pew or maybe you got it on your phone. You want to read it from there. As we look at Isaiah, first we're going to look at, at two verses in Isaiah 8, and then we're going to look at Isaiah 9. That talks to us about this child that's born at Christmas and the titles given to and, and what that means for us as we celebrate this Christ child who was born. When we talk about the condition of the world, it was one of the darkest days and, and, days and times in the life of the people of God. Uh, Isaiah says that distressed and hungry, uh, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become in, enraged. And looking upward will curse their king and their God. There are a lot of people today who are roaming in that darkness. They're hungering for something and they don't know what it is. But they're still crying out and cursing God. Verse 22 says, Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. When you look at some of the events that are taking place in our nation today and how we are torn apart in so many different ways, we look and we can see in the darkness of sin and lostness that's out there and unbelief that there's distress and darkness and fearful gloom. So what hope do we have and what does the birth of Jesus Christ and the celebration of his birth bring to us? 
Well, this is what Isaiah goes on to say in chapter 9. In verse 2, he says, the people walking in darkness. We just heard that, that they're walking in darkness. There's distress and darkness and fearful gloom. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And then we go down to verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Now this is a passage of Scripture. It's prophecy that, it, that is ripe with hope. Because the people who are walking in darkness, all kinds of darkness, had the promise of light that would come to them and dispel that darkness. And the people who had cursed God and were looking down in dismay at what was going on around them in earth and who looked up towards the heavens and felt unsatisfied, They had the promise of one who would come and a child who is born and a son who is given and the promise that the government one day would be on his shoulders and he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace and at the increase of his government in peace there would be no end. We still wait for some of that to be fulfilled. On the day that God consummates history and the Lord Jesus Christ returns and he establishes his kingdom forever. So in the meantime, as we celebrate the birth of Christ, what what is it that this child brings to us in the way of hope? What do we find words of hope out of Isaiah's prophecy about the coming of this Christ child? I just simply want to remind you about, I think about six things that I just simply pulled out of this passage of scripture. First of all, He is the one who brings light into darkness. Isaiah said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. All the way through the Bible, there is that contrast between dark and light. And light represents that which is good and right and righteous in the kingdom of God. And all that which is dark represents darkness and sin and evil. And there is always that conflict. And so Isaiah is talking about the darkness that prevailed over that nation and the darkness of sin in which so many people live. And he said those who are in that darkness are going to see a great light. And we know that when Jesus came and began his earthly ministry, one of the ways that he described himself is that he said in one of the great I am statements in the Gospel of John, he said, I am the light of the world. And that is the light and the only light that can dispel the darkness and gloom and dismay. That's in this country and in our world and in your life. And that's Jesus Christ, this child whose birth we celebrate. He's the one who brings light into darkness. I think with the time change this year, I've heard more discussion and more possibilities about the fact that we might not go back from daylight savings time to Eastern Standard Time and and back and forth. It seems like there's more controversy about that today than ever before. And you know, it has some advantages when we had that daylight saving time and we got those long afternoons in the summer. And boy, I, I enjoy those. I don't so much enjoy it when it gets dark, a little after 5 o'clock. It's like, you know, it's time to go to bed. The day's over, you know. And, and, and there are some people 
who are actually affected by that. If you are, I have sympathy for you because um, it's that it's called SAD, S-A-D, seasonal affectional disorder, and it brings about a certain sense of uh, of um, of depression because of that darkness and the change of that. And it's horrible to have to be living in darkness and being depressed. I read an interesting article about the darkest city in the world, and surprisingly. It's not above the Arctic Circle, but it's in Rattenburg, Austria. And that little village of Rattenburg, Austria, had, has, it's uh, located in, in a valley, and it lives in the shadow of Mount Rat. And the problem has been that that mountain blocks the sunlight, and, and from several months, from November through February, there's no sunlight that reaches that village. And so people were living in depression and darkness, and nobody wanted to, to move there, and they were losing people, losing population. And so they decided something had to be done. And so they invested millions of dollars in heliostatic mirrors mounted on the top of Mount Rat that would take the light of the sun and would reflect it down into the city. And so the city of Rattenburg is no longer dark during those months. People are moving back into Rattenburg. There's a new sense of spirit there that they can sense and feel because the bringing of light brought hope to that little town in the Alps. And that's what Jesus does in his coming. He brings us hope in the midst of all the darkness in your life. The darkness of sin and death and dismay and despair and depression, whatever it might be. This child who changes everything brings light into the darkness of your world. Secondly, Isaiah says he is the one who rules the world. Isaiah says and the government will be upon his shoulders. That's a simple affirmation of who Jesus is, that he is the sovereign, supreme Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to think about it, indeed, the government's upon his shoulders because it's the government of the world that he rules and he reigns, and he is the sovereign ruler over everything. It means that he is king. And you remember when the wise men came searching for him, they asked that question in Matthew where is he who is born king of the Jews? Later on in his life is the day that he would die. Pilate asked him that same question, are you a king? He even put up a sign over Jesus as they nailed him to the cross that this is the king of the Jews. That was in three different languages so different people could read it and understand it. And when he asked Jesus specifically, are you a king? Jesus said, yes, but my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus is Lord and King over a spiritual kingdom. And when you receive this Christ child into your life, you receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, you allow him to be king of your life. You enthrone him as king, and you're part of the kingdom of God. What does it mean when Isaiah talks about the government will be upon his shoulders? Wouldn't it be fantastic if our U.S. Congress, when they're faced with tough decisions, where they want to balance the budget, where they want to deal with affordable care for everybody, when they want to make our country safer with the laws that we need and protect us and govern us in the correct way, wouldn't it be neat if they would say, you know, Jesus Christ is Lord over everything. He is the sovereign Lord, God, and King. And so we need to get on our knees and bow before him and pray to him and ask for his wisdom and guidance to give us leadership and direction. Well, that would be wonderful and fantastic. We know the same thing would be true in the life of every one of us because we don't always do that, do we? But you see, we should because Jesus Christ is indeed the king. And he is the king of the spiritual kingdom of God. 
But the Bible does teach us that one day that will be the case when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And all the government will be upon his shoulders and he will rule everything. One day that will take place. In the meantime, he needs to be the sovereign Lord God and King over your life, ruling over your life, and you need to acknowledge that. The third thing Isaiah says is that this Christ child is the one who will mediate between God and us because he says he's called Wonderful Counselor. When we hear that word counselor, we probably think of someone we go to to help us work through some issues and some problems. There's nothing in this world wrong with that, especially if you go to Christian counselors and use their advice, and they're biblically based in their counseling. But this is talking about a different kind of role that Jesus would take on as a counselor. In 1 Peter, we're told that you can cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. And the role that Jesus takes is one who cares. It's more like an advocate, uh, one who is representing you, uh, mediating for you, interceding for you because of whatever's going on in your life. Jesus is the advocate and the only advocate who allows us to be able to relate to God and mediate between us and God. And the only way he can do that is because he is fully God and fully man. He is the only one who can reach into the heaven and grasp the hand of God and reach down to humanity on earth and grab the hand of man and kind and bring us together in the relationship that God intended for us to have before the darkness of sin and evil entered into this world. In fact, in Timothy we read, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And so what I think Isaiah is saying to us and what we should know by now and what we should experience is that if you want to relate to God and you want to solve the set and settle the issue of sin in your life, if you want to have the relationship restored between you and God, there's only one mediator, one counselor, and that's Jesus Christ who is the wonderful counselor. And the fourth thing that Isaiah says about this child is he is the one who is God in the flesh. He will be called the mighty God. In the Bible, there are, there are several times in the Old Testament, particularly where God is referred to as God Almighty. And the Bible says that Jesus is God. He's God in the flesh. And the Bible says in him, in Colossians, all th- dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That means when we look at Jesus Christ, when we see Jesus Christ, when we study the Jesus Christ of the Scriptures, this is God in the flesh. And he is the exact representation of God. He is the fullness of the Godhead in human form. That's what we celebrate in the birth of Jesus Christ at Christmas. The theological term is incarnation. It's that mystery of the incarnation. That through the the, the work of the Holy Spirit and the life of Mary as she submitted herself to God. That God came to us in, in human flesh in the birth of Jesus Christ. That's what Isaiah was talking about. For to us a child is born and to us a son is given. And he's talking about Jesus who would come. The Messiah, the promised Messiah. You see, God has always existed. Jesus has always existed. This wasn't necessarily the beginning of the life of Jesus when he was born. But it was his revelation in human form to come to identify with us. To be God in the flesh in our midst. John writes in his gospel, John 1, 14, and says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. 
We celebrate the birth of God's advent into our life. Jesus was obedient to the will of God. He left the throne of glory in heaven where he did rule. And he put aside all of his rights and he became a human being. Born of a peasant couple. And that manger scene in that tiny town of Bethlehem. So he could reveal God to us. Because in him all the fullness of God dwells. He brings us the mystery of what God is like into completion through his birth. Then the fifth thing that Isaiah says is he is the one who welcomes us into his family. Isaiah said he will be called the everlasting father. We know the name father is a family name. Throughout the Bible we're taught that God is like a father to us. He wants to relate to us as a father relates to his child. The Bible is the only place Our Bible is the only place in all of religious literature out of all the religions of the world that teaches us that we can relate to God as a child relates to his or her father. What that is is that's bringing that relationship to God down onto the human level that we can understand. Now some of us might have negative concepts about the word father, especially if you had an absent father or an unpleasant father or a non-supportive father. Uh, or a father who, who was abusive, or a father who didn't provide, or a father who decided he wanted out and he left. But in God, you find the perfect father who wants that relationship with you. He wants you in, in his forever family. And he loves you so much to do that and make that possible as the everlasting father that he sent Jesus into the world, not just to be born, but to die in your place And when Jesus went to the cross, he paid the penalty for your sin. And when we trust in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, then God forgives us and he accepts us into his forever family and he implants his Holy Spirit in us. He is the everlasting Father. And he is the one who welcomes us into his family. This is the gift that God offers to you in the birth of Jesus Christ. So don't Don't neglect this gift if you need to accept that. If you need to come to an understanding of who God is as the one perfect God and the one perfect Father in heaven. And then the sixth thing Isaiah tells us about this child is that he is the one who brings peace to troubled hearts. He will be called the Prince of Peace, Isaiah said. There are a lot of troubled hearts in this world. There are probably a lot of troubled hearts in this congregation today as we gather and worship, even though we're transitioning from the time of thanksgiving and gratitude to the time of celebrating the birth of Christ. It moves so quickly between those two. But yet there's a lot of unrest and troubled hearts. There's a lot of unrest and grief and despair in our country today. We're torn apart politically and socially and, and economically, and, and, and we need to see healing, and, and we need to see peace brought into this world. Our nation needs to see peace and healing. So what is it, where's the hope that we find in Jesus being the Prince of Peace? What's the, what is the meaning and the hope of the message that the angels announce, peace on earth, goodwill towards men? So we have to understand that the peace on earth, goodwill toward men that God was talking about wasn't necessarily peace between two people or two nations, but he was bringing the good news about peace with him, our God. And God says, I want to have this peace with you because I want you in a right relationship with me. And only when we're in a right relationship with God can we start to make relationships right with other people in our life and in our world. 
The most important peace you can have is the inner peace where you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. That's the Christ who comes to you in, in the birth of Jesus Christ. He brings us peace with God. He brings us peace that enables us to face the difficulties in life. He brings us peace in the midst of a, of a strife-stricken world. He brings us his peace. You see, there is hope in these words that come from this prophet Isaiah. There is hope found in these words because this is the birth of Jesus Christ, the child who was born, whose birth we celebrate again, the Son of God whom God gave to us to reveal himself fully to us. There are aspects yet of this promise to be fulfilled even beyond what we have experienced now, and we look forward to that and we anticipate that time coming. But in the meantime, we claim what God has brought to us in the birth of Jesus Christ again at Christmas. It's a wonderful gift that he's given in his perfect timing. It's the opportunity now to know what God has for us. One of the Christmas stories that, that, that I've read so far is in uh, one of the chicken soup books about chicken soup for the soul, Christmas magic. And there's a story about uh, a mother out shopping with a three-year-old daughter, Kayla. And uh, it was a few days before Christmas, and already she had many, many different pa packages, presents wrapped and put under the tree for a little girl. But you know how it is, parents, sometimes you see one last thing you think you might want to get for your child. And so she picked up this one last item, tried to hide it in the buggy, but inquisitive three-year-old Kayla found it. And finally, after persisting, she, she got it out of her mother. Mother said, okay. She said, I, I know I've got other things for you, but I just saw this, and I thought you would enjoy having this. And little Kayla said, you know what, Mommy? I already have lots of presents under the tree. I don't really need this for Christmas. And her mother had just one little glimmer of hope, thinking, she's got it. She's got the Christmas spirit. It's not about the things. But then little Kayla says, I need it now. Well, the good news of, of, of this Christmas story out of Isaiah is you need God now. You need the peace that he offers. You need the leadership that he offers. You need the hope that he offers to you. You need to know that God cares and loves you as only the perfect heavenly father can do. That's the gift that he offers to you in Jesus Christ. That's the hope that you can claim today. As you confess your sins, acknowledge your sins, and claim Jesus Christ as Savior. Father, we thank you for these ancient words of Scripture from the prophet Isaiah and the meaning that it brings to us today as he brings to us the hope that we need right now. There are many who walk in darkness. There are many who are living in despair. There are many who are, are grief-stricken. There are many who have, a, who have a, 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 an un, untrue, unbiblical sense of who you are and who Jesus Christ is. Help us to understand that in this promise and the fulfillment of the birth of Jesus Christ, we can have hope of a perfect relationship with you. Our sins can be forgiven. We can be righteous in your sight, and we can have that gift of hope for all eternity. Father, we thank you that you love us and that you sent Jesus Christ. We thank you for that magnificent gift. And I pray, Father, for anyone yet who has not yet experienced that gift, that they will claim it now. They need it now, and that they will claim that gift now. And I pray that and ask that in the name of Christ, whose birth we celebrate. Amen.